Well, good morning, Arbor. Good to see you. Welcome. Uh, it is December. That means it is the season to be overwhelmed. And so we are talking about that. We're kind of like in uh, week number three here. Uh, Tis the season. I know it has been that season for me. I don't know about you, uh, but it has been pretty darn crazy. We started this series off with talking about fear, being overwhelmed by fear. And then we jumped into last week talking about everyone's favorite topic, overwhelmed by finances. Uh, today, I'll shoot straight with you. This is, uh, this is the one I really struggle with. In fact, I struggled to write it because I felt like I can't say that because I struggle with that. In fact, if um, I even asked Garrett, I'm like, I feel like I should sit right there and listen to this message or maybe even sit right there and teach this message from the front row because this one is me. If there's anything that I wrestle with, this is it. Overwhelmed by pace. Overwhelmed by a lack of time, by a go, 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 gotta get it done. Um, this is a tough one for me. So I'm just telling you right from the get-go, when I talk this morning, when I share, I am also speaking to myself, not just to you. I am, I am hearing every word. This was a tough message for me to write and to go through. And so, um, so let's jump into it. Uh, raise your hand, by the way, uh, if you are a fan of NASCAR racing. You are a fan of NASCAR. Okay, there we go. All right, so, no, no, okay, there you go. Don't know what NASCAR racing is, and apparently nobody does. Um, it's where a bunch of men and one woman, they drive really fast around a track uh, over and over again, a track that kind of looks something like this right here. And the truth is, I don't fully understand NASCAR. I have friends who love it, right? And if they were to offer me and say, hey, Jake, you know, I want you to join me. All expenses paid. I'm going to take you out on a private jet, fly you to Michigan so you could sit down and watch a race with me. I'd have to tell them I'd rather stab myself in the neck uh, <laughs> than to go and do that because I just don't, I don't get it. And they say it's a really, really fun sport, and I'm not sure really how it's a sport, because I thought NASCAR was an acronym for non-athletic sports centered around rednecks. Um, <laughs> and I, I get the danger of saying something like that, because really, um, those who love NASCAR, they typically also own guns, right? <laughs> and they like to shoot things, and so if that's you, <laughs> I'm just kidding, right? It's just a joke. And so um, I could learn to love it. I mean, it's better than curling. And so, <laughs> now the reason I bring up NASCAR, the reason that we are talking about this is I think NASCAR is the perfect metaphor for how we live our life, how we live our life today. Culture actually fuels this race mentality, this go, 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 go. And I don't see any indication, and you probably don't either, of this mentality, this race mentality that we live in slowing down anytime soon. Uh, I think this picture actually illustrates it perfectly. Health, safety is at 35 miles an hour, but what do we drive? We live our lives at 52 or higher, right? And not only do we live fast, but we actually view people, busy people with prestige. We view them in honor and we value them. We even have a greeting. We greet people with a, like a display of busyness. We ask them, are you keeping busy? As if that was the honorable thing to do, right? Busy is the new normal. And yet I talk to people all the time 
who will talk to me and share their pain, and I hear their pain, and oftentimes it connects back to the pace of life in which they choose. And that's the deal. Choose. That's the key word, because busyness is a choice. Busyness is a choice. Some of you will disagree with me, but most spiritual, most relational frustrations I hear about always come back or trace back to time. I don't have enough time to spend with my, on my marriage. I don't have enough time to spend with my friends, or I don't have enough time to, to, to invest into my kids or to invest in my relationship with Jesus. But if we were honest, and you guys have always been truly honest with me, how many of you would admit, you would be brave enough to admit that you, you're, the way that you live your life is just a little bit, you describe it as a little bit too busy? Raise your hand. Keep them up. Look around. You're not alone, right? You're not alone. And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, we're really glad that you're visiting from Idaho. You're welcome here. <laughs> we're happy. It's great to have you. But the impact of busyness pops up, it manifests itself, it shows itself in different ways. Sometimes, it sh maybe it showed it the way this morning when you were coming to church. Like it's a rush, it's a race to get out of the house. How many of you have ever been in a fight with your spouse going to church, right? You're like, let's go, we gotta move. You look great, you always look great, but we have to go get in the car right now. We gotta go and worship Jesus, right? <laughs> And if that doesn't describe you, maybe this does. Maybe you're the person at the stoplight that has stopped there. Not the one that is right in front, but you're the car that's behind that car. And if that car doesn't leave the nanosecond that the light turns green, you are on your horn, you are yelling, you're giving displays of fingers, whatever. And if that doesn't describe you, this one definitely describes me. I stress out, and some of you, I know, you stress out over which line to get in at the grocery store. Because we have to be efficient, don't we? We do logarithms inside of our head. We do the math. You know, we, we look at the number of items we have, times the number of people inside of the line, divided by the age of the checker. I mean... <laughs> We do the math because we've got to go. And you don't stand in line. I know I don't stand in line calm. I stand in line competitive because I look to where I would have been, right? And then I'm just, I'm trying to see if I'm going to beat that. And if I do, I'm like high-fiving the checker on the way out and the, and the bagger because busyness is everywhere. It is. It's everywhere. And it's also displayed in less humorous ways. Busy people typically lack spiritual and personal depth, which leads to superficial relationships, which leads to wounded hearts. And so I see so many people who've become so, so busy that they don't have time to invest into the person that they want to be. They don't have time to invest in their heart's content, what they desire to do. They don't have time to invest into the relationships that they would really, really like to have. And so, for those here who battle busyness, and I include myself inside of this, I wanna give you my stab to the gut question, and here it is. In your NASCAR lifestyle, where's Jesus? In your NASCAR, gotta go, get it done lifestyle, where is Jesus? Is he in the car? Is he right next to you, riding shotgun? Is he your companion as you go along? 
Is he in the tower? Is he hollering down instructions at you saying, go, 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 put the pedal to the metal. We got to get going faster. Is he in the stands? Is he cheering you on? Come on, let's do this. Let's move. Is he, uh, is he uh, in the pit crew? Is he helping you along? Is he giving you the supplies and the tools that you need to get it done? Or could it be that Jesus is outside of the track, wooing you away from a NASCAR lifestyle that seriously is wounding us and we don't even know it? Is he wooing us away? Here's my talk in one sentence. This is everything wrapped up. I think God's people are choosing NASCAR lifestyles while at the same time trying to follow a savior who walks. And he not only walks, catch this, he invites us to walk with him. To walk, not race ahead of him, but to walk with him. And I'm not sure where you came and how many years you've been following Jesus. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 50 years that you've been walking with him and every day just seems to get better. Or maybe you're just checking this out. You're just trying to figure out this faith thing. You're not sure. You've got questions. Either way, wherever you at, I want you to know this. If Jesus had one message, I think if he had one message to share about why he came, I think this would be it. I think he would say, I came to give you life. Life. I came to give you life. I did not come that you might be busy. I did not come that you might be stressed out. I did not come that you might be hurried. I did not come that you might feel overwhelmed. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, here it is, that you may have life and have it abundantly. He not only offers us life, but he offers us an abundant life. A better translation that says this, it says, a better life than you've ever dreamt of. That's amazing. Jesus came for your benefit. He came for my benefit. He came to give us life to the full and to give us a full life. He came to give us the best life possible. And that is a beautiful promise that I hold on to with all my heart. And I know that some of you do as well, but there's another promise that is found in Matthew 11. Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you more to do, rest. I want that, right? I love that, I need that. Some of like, yes, I need that too, I need rest. Friends, I think that there is a connection between the abundant life and rest for our souls. When we talk about that Jesus is gonna come and give us this abundant life, this is life to the full, it's not meaning a full calendar or a full plate or as much as that we could possibly stuff into our life and squish into there so that we are overwhelmed. He came to give us not more. The abundance that he's talking about and the full life he's talking about is full of peace, full of purpose, full of of contentment and love and rest. That is the abundant life that he is talking about and that he offers us. But unfortunately, abundance and rest for our souls slam up against the 21st century lifestyle that we live in. Does it not? It truly does. We just don't have time to take Jesus up on his invitation of a better life because busy is the enemy of the abundant life. 
Busy is the enemy of the abundant life. Why? Think about this. A spiritual life cannot be rushed. It truly cannot. A life with Jesus, love cannot be hurried. If I were to sit down, if you and I were to sit down and we were to grab lunch together, we were to sit knee to knee, eye to eye, and we were to talk about what you really want out of this life, what you really desire. When all is said and done, this is what I want. I think we would both come to the realization that you cannot, that nobody can attain that through a NASCAR lifestyle. It cannot be attained that way. And so Jesus gives us a little insight into this. Think about it. Think about when God invaded humanity. Think about when the word became flesh and Jesus walked amongst us. He not only showed us how to live, he showed us how to live a life to the full. What do you think? Have you ever thought about this? What was Jesus' temperament? Like, what, what was he like when he was around? When you look at the Gospels and you look at there, what was he like? He was chill. <laughs> like, really? He was chill. He was relaxed. He didn't get flustered. He wasn't rushing and rushing to do the next thing. A famous theologian named J.B. Phillips wrote a book called Your God is Too Small. Here's what he wrote. I think this is amazing. He said, if there is one thing which should be quite plain from those um, who accept the revelation of God in nature and the Bible. It is that he, Jesus, was never in a hurry. Long preparations, careful planning, and slow growth seem to be the leading characteristics of spiritual life. It is refreshing to study the poise and quietness of Christ. His task and responsibility might well have driven a man out of his mind, but he was never in a hurry, never impressed by numbers, never a slave to the clock. He was acting, he said, as he observed God to act, never in a hurry. Guys, Jesus didn't live a frantic life. And he doesn't ask us to live a frantic life. He's not inviting us into the fellowship of the busy. And so what did Jesus model when he was here on earth? Let's look at a few of those things, a few things that Jesus did. One, in Mark chapter five, Jesus stopped to love. He stopped. He put on the brakes to love. There was a, a, a time where a desperate father came to him and said, will you heal my daughter? I totally relate to that. And, and so Jesus takes, takes this man and said, yes, I will. And they start on their path to find the daughter. And on their way, people are pushing because wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd. And there was a woman, a desperate woman inside of this crowd who thought, if I just reach out and touch him, I will be healed. And in, in January, we're going to talk about this in detail. But she reached out and she touched him and she was healed. And in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the motion, what does Jesus do? He stops in the middle of a miracle. He's in the process to a miracle. Was it important? Yes, it was important, but he stops. What did he stop to do? Check this out. This is amazing. Verse 32, but he, he just, he stopped and he kept looking around. He just kept looking around to see who had done it. Friends, that's what love does. Love stops. Love looks around. Love takes time to glance at what's going on. Love notices. Love searches for who is in need. Jesus modeled that. Jesus modeled a love that stops. 
Second thing that Jesus does, Jesus took his time. We see in scripture in John chapter 11, Jesus took his time. His friend Lazarus was sick. And Mary and Martha, his brothers and sisters, or his sisters, um, asked Jesus to help. And in verse three, this is what it says. It says, the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend, not just your friend, your dear friend is not just sick, very sick. Although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. This is another emergency, gotta take care of it situation. Lazarus is really sick. And for those of you who know the story, Jesus took his time. He took a lot of time, two days. Anybody know what happened? Lazarus died. He died in the time that Jesus was taking his time. He died. I don't think Jesus could be a part of Arbor's hospital visitation team with that kind of timing, <laughs> right? You gotta get going, Jesus. You gotta move there. But he took his time. And then when he did get there, he performed one of the greatest miracles that we have in all of scripture, where he raised Lazarus from the dead. But Jesus wasn't phased. He wasn't frantic by the situation. He took his time, and he models that for us. Another thing that Jesus does is he calls us to slow down. He, causes, he calls us to slow down. I love this passage in here. Mary and Martha, some of you may have heard the story. I always relate to Martha in this story. I would like to be like Mary. I want to. But in this story, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's just taking it in. And that's what they used to do back then. When you had a rabbi, a teacher, they would go and you'd sit at his feet, listen, absorb, grab teachings, those kind of things. And, and, and that's what Mary has chosen to do. That's what she's doing. But behind the scenes is Martha. Martha is doing the work. Martha is doing the preparations. Martha's probably looking in to the room going, what the heck? What is she doing? Mary should be helping me. She's getting frustrated. She's peeking in. I'm doing the work. She's just sitting there. We've got to do this together. We're a team, right? And we know that she's frustrated because look at what she says in Scripture. It's almost as if this was read with a whiny voice. It's amazing. She says, Lord, has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me, right? Tell her to help me. She's upset. And so what does Jesus say? He says, Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you are worried and upset over all these things. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I, like Mary, desire to discover that more and more as I grow. And not to be doing the Martha, gotta get it done, gotta get it done. But what was Jesus' temperament? Chill. And he even called us to chill just a little bit, to relax and not go, go, go. I think some of us have turned following Jesus into a race when really it's a walk. Really it's a enjoy his presence. It's a rest in him kind of a thing. And I get that what I'm talking about today is counterintuitive to the culture in which we live in. It's completely counterintuitive. Not only is it counterintuitive to the culture, I think it's counterintuitive to how we think, even how we think as Christians. Because we think we gotta get more done, right? We gotta do more. 
Because if we do more, Jesus will be more happy with us, right? And so the more productive I am, the happier he'll be. Because wasn't one of Jesus' greatest commandments is thou needs to get more stuff done? (laughs) That's not. That's not. In fact, if you don't know, one of the things Jesus did is he summarized all the laws of the prophets, all the laws of the Old Testaments into two things, just two things. Love God and love people. Love others. That's it. That's it. Now, I'm not suggesting, hear me, I'm not suggesting a lazy life. That's not what I'm saying. Not in any way, shape, or form. What I'm suggesting is a little less race and a little more love. Right? A little less race, a little more love. That's what I'm suggesting. So, how do we get there? Right? How do we get there? Because this is 2018. We don't walk. We get in cars. That's what we do. And we go and we got to get to the next thing. It's go, go, go. I realize the culture in which we live. And so um, we got to figure out how do we remove ourselves from this relentless rat race of a pace. And regardless of your stage of life, whether you are uh, an investor, whether you're single, whether you have a family of, you know, nine kids under the age of three, there's got to be a way, Right? There's got to be a way to get this thing right. I think that there is in our culture. And so what I want to give you is some very practical but difficult steps. And I've put them in the form of a stoplight so that it will help us to remember, right? We've all seen stoplights. We all know how they work. You probably went, maybe even ran through one today. Um, But we know how they work. The red light means what? And green light means? Yellow means? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Probably both of those. No, yellow means caution, people. Yellow means slow down. (laughs) Exactly. This is what we're talking about today, right here. And so let's start with the yellow light. In fact, in your notes, if you want to write down, you might want to write down yellow light on this as we talk about it. Here it is. Slow down to access what's behind my yes. Slow down to evaluate what's underneath my yes. Because yes is a three-letter word that should be a four-letter word because it's a dirty word. Yes is the reason that we're so busy. It is the reason that we are so busy and we need to slow down and assess why am I saying yes all the time? We have to get off the freeway and into the rest stop and figure out what's fueling my heart. Because busyness, friends, It is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. Some of you think it's an efficiency issue. If I was just more efficient, right? If I I just um, was more organized. I think that it's not an issue of, of my heart. It's a disordered schedule. I would argue that I honestly think that busyness is a disordered heart. It's a disordered heart. And none of us want to admit that, right? None of us want to say there's something wrong with me or confess that. And so in this one, we truly, I'm just asking you to dig deep, to look in the mirror, to truly try to uncover and go past the easy answers. Because if we don't, then you will always be busy. If you don't take the time to do this, did you hear me? You will always be busy. And busyness, my friends, the busyness, the price to pay is usually steep. It usually is steep. And so we've got to slow down and access what is behind our yes. For examples, 
Maybe the reason that you say yes or that I say yes comes from a place of insecurity. Because when we say yes to someone, that validates us because they validate us. And we love that. We want them to like us. They want, we want them to feel good about us. And so we say, yes, 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 I'll help you with that. Or yes, I will go and do this. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's the fear. It's FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? Social media is killing us. It is killing us. When we get on social media, what do we see? We see the 16,000 things we're not a part of. And so when one pops up, we're like, yes, I will do that. I don't want to sit home in my pajamas again tonight, right? And so we say yes, because we don't want to miss out on what everybody else is doing. We don't. Maybe this one's for me. Maybe you just want to feel important. You want to feel like your life matters, that there's purpose in that. And so when someone asks for help, I'm like, yes, I will be your hero. I will come to your aid. I will help you with that. Because I want to feel important. And some of you, you want to feel important. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with all of these things if our answers is always yes, 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 yes. Oh, and yes, I will do that as well. Because eventually it gets out of control. And so that brings us to the, the red light where a red light means stop. And so it means this, stop saying yes and develop a no muscle. Stop saying yes and develop a no muscle. Some of you, this right now that I'm gonna say is the most important thing that you could possibly hear. It is okay to say no. It is absolutely okay to say no. It's not easy, I get that. It's not easy. Some things are easy no's. Like, do you wanna go watch Christian TV? No, I don't want to do that, right? But there are other things that are very difficult to say no, and we have to work that muscle. When I was a kid, there was a, a slogan that went on, right? Just say no to drugs. Just say no. And I was in class, and they would say, on the count of three, let's say no. And so let's do it right now. You need to practice this. Some of you need to be prepared. You need to work this muscle. So on the count of three, one, two, three, that was weak sauce. Come on. Let's do it again. Do it from right here. Bring it out. You need to say this with power and with force. One, two, three. No. All right. In Spanish. One, two, three. No. Good job. You're bilingual. Just wanted to check. Well done. Now, why am I asking you to say no? It's a good question. Because every yes is an invitation to more busyness. Every yes is an invitation to more busyness. And every time that you say yes or you say, you say yes to something, you're actually saying no to something that could matter even more, that's more important, more valuable. When you really should be saying no so that you can do what really, really, really matters. And so I can tell that some of you are pushing back on me on this. Internally, I can see it. You're like, what do you know? preacher boy. <laughs> you probably have nothing to do during the week. I'm sure of it. But me, I am a busy person. I have a lot to do and no is just not a reality inside of my world. I would say to you, okay, Spanky, here's what I want you to know. No matter what your job is, no matter what you do, how much money you have or where you live, one thing we all have in common, 1,440 minutes a day. 1,440 minutes a day. That's all we get. You can't change it. 
That's how it is, 1,440 minutes a day. And maybe, just maybe, the reason you're so busy is you're filling your 1,440 minutes with something that you shouldn't be doing. Maybe I am too. Potentially. 1,440 minutes. Did you know Jesus had the same amount of time as we did when he was on earth? 1,440 minutes. And he had a lot to do, did he not? There were, think about this, there were people in the villages that he passed through that needed healing that he didn't heal. He didn't heal everyone. He had the potential to do it. He was the only one who did have the potential to do it. So you would think it would be his responsibility to step up, don't you? No, but Jesus had a lot to do. He truly did. We can all acknowledge that, right? I mean, you try being the savior of the world. Oh, wait, some of you are. And that is why you are so busy. Here's one thing that we should start saying no to. Not all the time, but some of the time. I think we should say no to techno-interference. And some of you don't know what this word is. It's a new term that social scientists are giving to those who allow devices to take us away from our primary relationships. Right? This picture right here illustrates our life to the core sometimes. When we do, we give a hug, and there we are. <laughs> We're checking on what's going on in social media. You know, I don't have to describe it. I don't even have to show you a picture because you know it. You've seen it. Some of you, you live it. Or there's this comic. I love it. It says, do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead so pretend you're looking at me when I talk? <laughs> I think that's crazy. Here's the truth. Some of you are having an affair. Some of you are having an affair, and it's not with another man. It's not with another woman. It's with this. You love it. You really love it. You charge it up, right? You turn it on. You keep it next to you by the bed. You take it with you in the bathroom, right? If you lose it, you're franked it to find it. You gotta find it. You sometimes fall asleep with this thing. Is it not true? And in doing so, sometimes we violate the relational principles that Jesus said, loving God and loving others. Not always, but sometimes. Maybe you can relate to this. Watch this really quick. Really? 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 <laughs> oh. So I say to you, really? Really, is this getting in the way? Are we overconnected out there and underconnected right here? Are we overconnected to everyone that we see on this platform 
and underconnected to the one that's right in front of us, right? Sometimes the reason we can't connect is because we're logged into this when we should be logged into our real friends. We should be logged into our spouse. We should be connected to our kids, and we definitely should be connected to Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I am not anti-technology, right? I have a phone. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I help manage a website, those type of things. I'm not saying that we should become Amish and we should all buy buggies and, you know, boycott appliances. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if this is getting in the way, let's just set it down. Let's say our no so that we could say the yes to the person that's right in front of us or yes to the Savior that wants to talk to us. We need to stop saying yes all the time to this. I'm not saying it's evil, but I'm saying sometimes it gets in the way and we need to develop a no muscle. This will not be easy. This is definitely not easy. And that's why we have the third and final step. And that is this. It's the go. It's the green light. Go on a walk, a relaxed walk with Jesus. Go on a relaxed walk with him. Immediately, the moment I start talking about a walk with Jesus, some of you will actually feel a little bit guilty. Because when you think going on a walk with Jesus, you think one thing. And I ask people, how are you doing? You know, how is your walk with Jesus going? And they think, I need to read my Bible more, right? I need to read my Bible more. It's almost robotic, right? I need to read my Bible more. I just need to read it. And there's nothing wrong with reading your Bible. We just did a whole series called Text. And what was like the one thing we asked you to do? Read your Bible, right? That's great. But we cannot reduce faith to a religious activity when really what it is is a relational connection. We got to go on a walk with Jesus. In that passage where it talked about rest for our soul, it keeps going and it talks about my burden, you know, is light. Be yoked to me. Jesus says, yoke yourself to me. That literally means to tie yourself up or to link yourself with Jesus. That's what he wants to do. He wants to walk arm in arm with you. He wants to walk with you, next to you. He doesn't want to say, go do this and demand that you do all that. He just wants to be with you. Like Mary, he wants to sit with you and be with you. And that's the same with Jesus. We don't need to feel guilty because we didn't read our Bible today for half an hour. What we need is we need to be connected to him. We need to go on a walk with him. When when I first came to faith or started to take my faith seriously right after high school. There was a river that I would go to. It was in Ording. I would go there two days out of the week or almost every other day sometimes. Yeah, really every other day. And I would go there and I would sit alongside this river and I would watch the stream and I would pray. I didn't even know really how to pray. So I would ask God, how's your day? You know, how's it going for you? I didn't realize that's probably some of the best prayers that I've ever had. Just talking to him. And I would walk along that river and I would thank him for the rocks and I would thank him for the trees and I would thank him for the fish in the stream because I really wanted to catch them because I love to fish, right? And I would talk to him and I would be with him and I would be present. I'm not trying to say that, you know, well, here's what I'm trying to say. A little less NASCAR, a little more walking. A little less NASCAR, a little more walking with us. And you might ask yourself, what would my life look like if I were to actually apply some of this and take it seriously and follow Jesus' example? 
to walk rather than to run or to race ahead. I will tell you exactly what your life would look like. It will be less stress, more peace. Less race, more love. It would be less busy, more Jesus is what it would be. That's exactly what it would look like. And so to close, let's play what if. I don't know if you ever played this game before. What if, it's, it's just a game. What if your identity, my identity, wasn't based upon our performance or our portfolio, but it was based solely upon who Jesus is and we know that we don't have to perform for him? What if your life was not about the race or the chase or the pace in which you go, but your life was about resting in God's great and amazing grace. What if somebody, the next time somebody comes up to you and says, so, you keeping busy? You say, I'm trying not to. In fact, what I'm doing is I'm trying to slow myself down and I'm trying to, to hear that still small spirit that God has been speaking to me and leading me in this direction and that direction and I'm trying to hear that voice. How about you? And then just stare at them, real awkward-like, right? <laughs> when NASCAR race, when a NASCAR race begins, it always begins the same way. They say, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. What if today it was, ladies and gentlemen, turn off your engines. Step out of the car and walk over to Jesus. Back away and meet Jesus by that stream. And some of you are like, Jake, what stream? What are you talking about? You obviously didn't take your medication this morning. No, did you see the stream? Did you see it? When I showed you the picture of the racetrack, the stream, Jesus is there, and he's outside of the racetrack, and he's inviting you, he's wooing you to come walk alongside this stream. Walk with me. Look at it. It is going the pace that I made it to go. I've got it in control. I've got your life in control. And you take a walk with him along the stream and hear him say, I have your best in mind. And an abundant life doesn't mean more, 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 more. It means I want to give you more and more peace. And you'd be yoked to him, right? You'd be next to him. You'd have your arm around him. One arm's around you. The other arm's pointing out the beautiful things he made and where he wants you to go in life. And he'll lead you at a reasonable pace. Not a NASCAR lifestyle, gotta get it done. I'm gonna pull my hair out. I don't know how I can do this another minute pace. A pace that is an abundant life with rest for our soul. Does that not sound wonderful? Does that not sound nice? Do you not want that? I want that. I desire that. That's why I'm in process on this. I truly am on process. I have not arrived in this area. But I invite you to join me in this process where we leave a NASCAR lifestyle to the side and we start taking more walks with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.